Welcome to the podcast edition of Musicians of the Midnight Sun. I'm your host, Pat Braden, broadcasting to you over the virtual airwaves from the Love Shack studio here in the heart of Old Town Yellowknife Northwest Territories. Now, I'm a bass player, Chapman stick player, singer-songwriter, and I've been playing music throughout the North since about 1977. As a young musician, I was caught up in the explosion of popular music in the world through the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. As I got older, I thought there must have been the same thing happening up here, just in a different place and on a different scale. So in 2003, I started to interview the older players who taught me most of what I know today, and many more musicians that I'd only ever heard of. My intention was to have an accessible and free place where anyone could go to learn about these players and the musical times and the lives that they lived. Over the years, I've collected 30-plus interviews and created an archival website at www.musiciansofthemidnightsun.com. Now, some of these interviews are quite long, so I wanted to bring the core of their stories to a more accessible format. So I created this series of podcasts to continue the celebration of the musical lives of these northern musicians who performed in northern Canada from the 1950s through to the mid-1970s. Thanks for tuning in. Please send any questions and comments to me through this website. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode of Musicians of the Midnight Sun. I must have been 10 or 12 years old, somewhere back in the early 70s. Maybe it was at one of those all-age dances they used to put on upstairs in the Legion Hall. Or maybe at another all-ages venue in the basement of the United Church. Back then, the town was really good at providing entertainment for its youth, hiring one of the local bands to play for a Saturday night teen dance. There was something seductive and taboo about being there. The air thick with cigarette smoke the taste of watered-down tang, the oil-and-water overhead projector transparencies, the older kids coupled up and smooching in dark corners, and the music. The music with all of its rough edges, loud and aggressive, and the characters performing on stage was all quite foreign and intimidating to me. That's the first time I can recall seeing and hearing Tom Hudson, singing his heart out, leaning into the mic stand, bathed in a cherry red floodlight. You know, the four ninety nine version you buy at Christmas from the Bay or McLeod's Hardware. A huge part of the experience was hearing a group of local players pounding out one of the hits of the day that I would only hear from the radio. Now, they were all older than myself by a good ten years, so I was intimidated by most of them, not really having the confidence to meet their eye and talk music with them until I was well into high school with a bass guitar in my hands. Now, Tom grew up in Tabacha, Fort Smith, Northwest Territories, a town that has raised other notable vocalists, such as Joe Krzyzewski and Pat Burke. But I'll let Tom take you back to his early days with this interview, recorded in 2005 in Fort Smith, Northwest Territories. I had an interest in, in music, uh, actually, through the, through the just through listening to the radio. I recall coming home... Uh, when I was just a teen and uh, there was a program on CBC that I never missed, according to my mother. I used to just rush home from school and uh, 
make myself a hot chocolate there and sit in front of the radio and listen to the music. And I used to sing along with the, the songs because a lot of times uh, uh, the material that was played uh, was played over and over again. Uh, yeah, this was again in, uh, in the late 60s, uh, I would say 65. That was actually before I went to Akecho Hall. I never did play with any um, anybody in town um, to make music uh, until I got to uh, to Akecho Hall. Um, I went there in 1966 to go to school for the first time, and um, basically that that first year was just getting to know people and. Uh, you know, and then just getting into your grades and, uh, and trying to do something with that. Uh, I used to sing all the time, I guess, in, in Fort Smith, uh, both at home and, uh, uh, and maybe I could just backtrack again, Pat. Um, there was another thing that I recall um, doing here in Smith, and that was uh, just cruising around town with, um, with friends of mine in, in vehicles and, and singing along to the radio, and everybody would you know, kind of listen to me sing, and so I was getting a, at that early stage some response from people, and I was enjoying it, and you know that kind of thing. I was a very shy person, um, and and still am uh, to to some extent. And like I say, in that second year uh, of being at a Cajun Hall, I got together with some friends like uh, Tony Buggins, and also um, Alan uh, Cardinal. He was uh, another person that really uh, started me off. Um, and we just get together down in the bowels there of the Keicho Hall in one of the side rooms and just jam. You know, it was just a lot of cover tunes. Uh, that's primarily what we, what we did. Uh, no one was doing original material at that time. Was there any other way that you were getting music, like other radio stations or anything like that? That was... No. The extent of what you were getting. That was, was it, yeah. Was yeah. We had uh, we had a lot of uh, 45s and, and 78 uh, records and stuff that we listened to, but it was primarily country music that we listened to. There were rock and roll groups here at the time. Uh, there was a, a, a Bob Bolio uh, uh, was a drummer here then. Um, they used to play actually. Pat Burke will probably fill you in more on on, on these names and uh, and some of the groups that were around here because he uh, yeah he was closer to that scene I guess. Um, but they I remember they used to play at the armories for adult dances and uh, you know when the when the the sky was dark outside all the kids used to sneak around the armories and and listen to the music there at night. Uh, how old were you when you went to Akecho? I was uh, 16 years old. Why the decision to go to Akecho? Like, was that a choice, or did you just... You just uh, I guess there was two things. My my own interest in, in wanting to go, because a lot of my friends, like Alan Heron, uh, Squeak, and, uh, uh, and my neighbor, Alec Goche, who was a close friend of mine, they had already gone to Akecho Hall the year prior, and they had nothing but good things to say about it. So... Um, that and uh, um, uh, in those days they were streaming uh, students to either a, um, an academic um, uh, vein in the school and, or, or uh, vocational uh, training 
so um, they had the the shop training in uh, in Yellowknife. So I was interested in that as well. So there were a couple of reasons for for wanting okay. to go, and just the adventure of it all. I guess yeah. It sounded like you say when you when you got up to Yellowknife and went to Acacia Hall, it's just you just this this sort of you know other worlds. Yeah, I was just, uh, like I say, I was just getting a very small taste of uh, the sounds out there, I guess, just by listening to the radio and that kind of thing. And uh, But when I got to Akecho Hall, it was a, a real uh, uh, ear opener, I guess, because everyone was bringing their own uh, uh, tapes and and, uh, and records with them to Akecho Hall. So you got to listen to a whole range of material, so it opened up a whole, uh, you know, it opened my ears up. Yeah, Ketcho Hall was fun. The administration gave me a lot of latitude, um, and and uh, all of the musicians were, were treated that way. Mm -hmm. They actually encouraged that. Uh, we used to play for all of the uh, Ketcho Hall dances and dances at Sir John and. Uh, and also dances in town. It was um, a vehicle, uh, a way, I guess, of, of um, breaking down barriers between the town's kids and the, the, the out-of-town kids that lived at Acacia Hall. And, and it really worked. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun in those days. And like I say, I got, I got a lot of uh, freedom. Um, I spent many a night uh, in town uh, instead of having to go back to Acacia Hall and they didn't come down on me because of that which was nice you know like I say we played uh, played for all of the the gatherings there and uh, school dances poems tournaments yeah, the whole tournaments bit and stuff like yeah. that did you, ever, did you ever travel and go and do like other communities we did a few trips to Hay River for instance to play for graduation dances and things like that a couple of the band members that I played with uh, Brian Kovach and uh, Mark Whitford and uh, uh, those people were living in Hay River at the time so uh, uh, they wanted to go back uh, back home I guess and do these gigs so it was fun to, to travel didn't do that, that many of those out of town things but they were fun um, but we did quite a few uh, gigs in town. Uh, I recall that uh, we played at both the mines in in Yellowknife. They had uh, had all dances there, so they allowed the Acacia Hall band us to go and and play for these things. And uh, you know they were wet dances, and there we were in our uh, in our ties and white shirts and you know flashy. Uh, jackets on and just doing our thing you know we had had a blast it was just fun um you know like i say the uh the administration um aj boxer and uh, and the supervisor gordon lambert uh, gave us all the the freedom that we wanted to uh, to do our thing uh, so long as our grades were up um and we didn't get ourselves in a whole lot of trouble uh, we had this freedom to uh, to make some music and uh, given the space downstairs uh, to uh, to practice and and the return for them like i say is uh, is that we played for for the dances and uh, we were ambassadors i guess of because the band was made up of individuals from uh, different parts of the of the territories uh, not only from from fort smith but uh, like i say from other parts of the territory so 
it was a body that really represented uh, you know the territory so I guess in that sense we uh, we were ambassadors mm -hmm. sorry the name of the band one of the groups that I worked in uh, and the, I guess the most popular one was uh, the UM squared uh, the universal music machine uh, we got to uh, to travel and play local scenes and uh, uh, part of this particular group got to then travel uh, uh, on our centennial year which was uh, 1967 we got to travel uh, up the Mackenzie River stopping at a, a settlement every second day and, and playing music and, uh, and doing other, th other things that uh, were on this particular entertainment barge that they sent up the Mackenzie uh, for the, uh, the centennial celebrations. The band that we formed uh, then was called the Centenaires to, uh, to coincide with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I say, we stopped at a, a settlement every second day and uh, set up in the community someplace, either outside, uh, um, you know, against a a house or in a gymnasium if they had it or in the band office or wherever you know we and we played uh, played for the people and they really appreciated it uh, got to do that for a whole summer uh, got paid for it and uh, had a great time the whole summer so from what dates to what dates we um, yeah, the trip uh, actually was a, a summer summer gig. It was organized in the latter part of uh, of nineteen sixty seven, while we were in Acacia Hall. So uh, right after we finished school, we then uh, got together uh, uh, in Yellowknife, and we uh, boarded this. Uh, Barge, this entertainment. Uh, well, first of all, they had uh, trailers set up on this barge. They had a Ferris wheel for kids, in, you know, to, to play on when we stopped at the settlements. And we had um, a lot of uh, uh, showcases on this, uh, on, on one part of the barge, which uh, uh, we had to tour the general public through so they could see some of these things that were uh, uh, being developed in various parts of Canada. It was kind of a, to show off the uh, mega projects, I guess, that were happening around Canada at the time. So that was, uh, that was one of the, the ways that we had to uh, pay our way on the, on the barge was to, uh, or on this entertainment barge was to show the people around and uh, in the evenings we made music um, and like I say we did that for summer uh, right after school was out to uh, I would say the third week in August um, we turned the barge around in Tuk 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 and it was cold up there man uh, we then traveled back to Inuvik and spent a couple of days there and then flew back down to the warmer south <laughs> but it was a fun a fun trip um, again the, the band was made up of uh, David E. Valick from uh, Cambridge Bay and um, Lawrence Thrasher from uh, from Tuk to Yuk Tuk and um, who else was on this Eddie Basie uh, from uh, from Ray was our drummer uh, a very good drummer we had um, 
Archie uh, Plamondon from Fort Smith who played the keyboards he was uh, he traveled with us also so we had a had a blast and just treated really well by uh, by uh, you know the different communities so it was a real good time amazing time to go up there and just sort of witness that or be witness to that yeah for sure if if you could picture this uh, um, this barge pulling into a very small settle settlement like uh, uh, Wrigley for instance and uh, and just throwing the the plank down off of the <laughs> you know off of the boat onto the shore and uh, and walking the plank onto the shore with our equipment and all of the townspeople standing on the shoreline, uh, you know, just greeting us, and uh, it was it was a real blast. Good time. <laughs> How did you get the gig? Like, were you sitting in school one day and they went, "Okay, Tom, or here's an opportunity," or like, "How did I'm, whose idea um, was it?" Um, it's a brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, the administration of the KHO Hall were approached by government I, I do believe at the time because uh, to pay for something like that the resources had to come from uh, from government I'm sure um, and we were just the scene at the time at Akecho Hall and I think it was just because of that we had the opportunity to go so yeah that was just uh, that was one uh, one summer and then uh, and then when we came back it, we just disbanded that yeah. was it we got paid for the trip and I got this wonderful experience, and then uh, everybody went, off the everybody went yeah. and did their own thing after that. So you were done in school? Uh, no, I had uh, I had a, f a few more years left okay. at a Cato so Hall. How old were you when you did that? Thing? that um, oh gosh, I must have been uh, I must have been seventeen. Yeah. So back into a Cato Hall, back to UM squared. Uh, yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that's right, because, um, you know, people were finishing school and they were moving on to jobs and university and college and things like that. So it was, it was kind of like a revolving door. So then you get to play with other people and, uh, you know, they bring something new to the band, of course. Uh, so it, it was always fresh. It was great. Some of the some of the names of some of the guys that sort of you can remember sort of going in and out through the band or oh again um, um, there was a, a fellow I remember from uh, from Hay River Billy Lobb he was a drummer um, spent a very short time playing with us but uh, he was a good drummer uh, a very disciplined uh, young fellow again uh, Alan Cardinal and his brother. Uh, Lloyd, of course, and uh, who else was? Pat Burke from, from Fort Smith yeah, was there, and he was forming his own group uh, in the latter part of my days there at the Cape Show, anyway. Yeah, so just finishing off your grades, and did you come back home? I, um, yeah, Pat, I, I just came back um, a couple of summers, and the, the other summers I... Um, I stayed in Yellowknife and made music with uh, the boys we had, and those were really uh, good-paying gigs, and allowed us to uh, to survive for the summer. We all had uh, day jobs and were 
playing uh, uh, primarily on weekends and just making some extra cash and making music in town in, in Yellowknife. That first year uh, uh, after we left Akecho Hall, uh, we stayed in a tent. There was four of us living in a tent behind the Hudson House in in, uh, <laughs> in Yellowknife. One tent contained our band equipment, and one of the tents that we we lived in, we slept in. We stayed in uh, oh, this fellow's yard. I can't remember exactly what his name was. Jim Wright. I'm sorry, Jim. Forgot your name for a second. Uh, he allowed us to stay in his backyard and, you know, use his washroom whenever we could sneak in there. But it was a fun summer and we made music and had other jobs, like I say. And so it was a real blast. We didn't spend all of the, the summer in this tent, thank God, because uh, the rains uh, forced us out of there. But for part of the summer we stayed there and it was fun. <laughs> Then we ended up scattering uh, into the community, you know, living in different suites and sharing with other people, that kind of thing. But the, the, we were still very eager to, to make music and, you know, uh, whenever someone called a, a rehearsal, we were right there eager to, uh, you know, to participate. Tom's vocal skills have been championed by many of the musicians I've talked to over the years. For some of the southern players who came up, they could not believe that someone so talented came from up here and stayed. Let's hear from Randy Demon and Sandy Wilson, who played with Tom and the band Rainbow Valley. You know, and the songs, and Tom Hudson, didn't matter what song uh, he was singing, he had his own voice, it was still him, but he had that ability to to sing, you know, he could sound like J.J. Cale, he could sound like, um, you know, whoever. He just an amazing Tom Tom Hudson, and he his personality. Even though he wasn't gregacious at all, he wasn't the, the kind of guy who would tell jokes on the stage. There was something about him that just warmed the audience right up. Tommy Hudson was uh, one of the best things that I ran into up there when I first got there because Hudson had a great voice and he was a sweet guy. And he was a kid so Hall. He was originally from what Smith, but he was a such a sweet guy and could sing like a canary that guy he could sing anything mm -hmm. who else can you ever run into that can sing Foreigner and Journey and all that stuff and just nails it like Steve Perry and I tell people here I say this buddy of mine could sing all that Journey stuff you know the guy could sing anything and even one of the last times I was there and he was in the Elks singing with some band and I was painting the outside of the Elks and I can still remember painting that and then going back in the evening and hearing the band coming out of the door you could hear him coming out of the side door and there's Hudson in there singing beautiful and he's singing some song by Journey or Foreigner or whatever it was that was contemporary. I'm going, that's my buddy. What a talent. Never left. He could have gone to Edmonton or Vancouver or anywhere and had a big career, I'm sure. But he didn't pursue that. The club scene or the bar scene didn't start until really uh, uh, mid-70s, uh, I guess. Uh, prior to that, we were doing dances. We were doing uh, the two mines, Con Mine, Giant Mine, that were the rec centers, and we did uh, the Elks Hall and the Legion, and you know the whole local scene with people like Brian Kovach and Mark Whitford, uh, uh, Eddie Basie, and uh, uh, also another person from Fort Smith uh, played with us. Uh, around that time in the, in the early 70s, and that was Tom Dempsey from, from Smith. 
Later I went out to music school in Edmonton, and Tom did some time away from the North as well. I finally got the chance to work with him in a band called the Chromatics. The founding members included Norman Glowich, James Milligan, Wayne Bertrand, and Tom Hudson. The late Paul Tanner and I joined in, and eventually Sue Leon was invited to the group. The Chromatics played extensively in Yellowknife and around the North between 1986 and 1990. We recorded a CBC Northern Service recording in 1987 and released the cassette Spirit of the Wind in 1989. Though my time working with Tom was quite brief, I appreciated his calm, solid demeanor in rehearsal and on stage. It was a pleasure to work with a vocalist who could easily slide from a country classic into a blues tune, into a full-blown rock and roll anthem, and make any of those songs his own. Through the 1980s and 1990s, Tom would be called to sing for other Northern writers on their recordings. He co-wrote an album with Norman Glowich titled Dance Among the Stars. He provided vocal tracks to songs written and recorded by the late Randy Daniels. CBC featured him in their North Country Ways compilation, and he has also written and recorded his own songs. 99. Moved back here to Smith. Moved back here to Fort Smith, yeah. Um, I did a few uh, things with some of the, the local boys here, and I still get myself involved in the, in the festival each year. I, uh, I know I still have a a fair bit to offer, so I never did have any um, aspirations of being a, a, a star in the music business. You know, I I had a hell of a lot of fun playing with uh, friends of mine and and doing the local scene and doing a bit of travel and uh, doing a, a few recordings. You know, uh, I'm I'm quite content when I I look back on some of the stuff I've done. I, I'm, quite satisfied with that. Uh, raised a, a beautiful family and uh, made some music and made some friends. Not much more to life than that, I don't think. I would like to thank Tom for sharing his rich musical life story with musicians of the Midnight Sun. To hear more, see photographs of his life and the full interview transcript, check out musiciansofthemidnightsun.com linked in the show notes. You can follow along as well on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to support the continuation of this project, please donate it on our website, musiciansofthemidnightsun.com. I would like to thank the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee and the Northwest Territories Creative Industries Economic Recovery Fund for supporting this podcast series. And to thank the Northwest Territories Arts Council, Government of the Northwest Territories Department of Education, Culture and Employment, the Yellowknife Community Foundation and the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee for supporting the website so far. A full list of supporters can be found on the website. The archival audio of this podcast is from the Northern Musicians Project Collection at the Northwest Territories Archives. I'm Pat Braden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.